This is Amy Cohen Epstein, founder and executive director of the 20 plus year old nonprofit organization, the Lynn Cohen Foundation, and the SEAM, the series for education and awareness in medicine. In this podcast, I'll be interviewing female founders, entrepreneurs, scientists, doctors, researchers to talk about women's health, wellness, and preventive care. Take a listen. I am so thrilled to be talking to Marsha Cross today. Many of um, you, our listeners, know her as an actress from her iconic roles in iconic TV shows and um, like Melrose Place, which was absolutely one of my favorites and Desperate Housewives. But I actually know Marsha through the lens, um, first and foremost, of being a mother. And what I know about Marsha through those eyeballs is that um, she is incredibly patient, loving, supportive, and just a joy to watch being a mom. And I can also say about you, Marsha, since you're on the phone, I won't pretend like you're not here, is that it's there are some parents who act like they know everything and others who are excited to learn and from what to do and what not to do from other parents. And I would mm-hmm. certainly put you in the latter category, which I think is such a sign of your wisdom and also um, your humility. I think you're incredibly humble in the most beautiful way. So um, that's how I know you, which I'm very lucky to uh, too. And also that you are an activist. And we could certainly spend hours talking about your career as an actor, but I'd actually like to focus today on how you've um, become an activist and specifically a cancer activist. But before we get into that, um, I would love to know, what were you like as a child? And, and were those, and your childhood and your, what you would think back on as your characteristics and traits as a child, did they foreshadow your life as an adult? Because I have only known you as an adult. Okay, first of all, I have to say, since I know you as a mama, you are a fantastic (laughs) speaker. I mean, you're just, you're just amazing. Like, I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, Amy, you are awesome. And, you know, I'm already, like, in awe of you for what you've done, you know, with your foundation and, 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 you know, just an amazing human you are. So, um, yeah, I'm just sitting here with a huge smile on my face, blown away. Okay, so I will stop and just jump in. Um, I had, it's really hard to like say, but I had a really Pollyanna childhood. Um, uh, I grew up in a small town in Massachusetts, um, very homogenous, certainly not racially diverse and not even economically diverse, really. Um, so there are, of course, downsides to that. The upside was that um, people were very kind. Um, I had a very... Uh, kind of utopian sort of vision of the world that I've kind of had to deal with as an adult. It isn't true. <laughs> um, you know, I lived in a neighborhood, all the doors were open. We were out playing every night. We had, you know, neighborhood pick- picnics and it was just, it was a very beautiful, lovely, um, hard to come by childhood. Uh, and in terms of that playing into now, I would say, I think that I have a lot of actually anger and rage <laughs> because of it. <laughs> it's so odd because because I didn't know that there was so much greed and corruption and 
racism and, you know, all the things that um, I just thought everybody had integrity and people would look out for each other and would share and, you know, like all these uh, qualities that I just grew up with, with my parents and, and my neighbors, I assumed that was the, the way the world was. So I think that, I think if you're a parent, you would think that was great. And as an adult, I can say it's really been um, an interesting journey to come to terms with a very um, world that isn't necessarily, you know, all those things. So I find that I have to teach my children the opposite. Like I, I won't let them walk out the door not knowing how to assess the situation or, you know, not assume like I did that everybody is good and everybody has, you know, the best intentions for you and everybody else. Does that sound really sad? And it's, or is that just no, it, I think it's, I think it's reality. And so yeah. the life isn't roses and rainbows. Um, yeah. And I think most people learn that at some point in their life. Um, and mm -hmm. the, spectrum of how hard it hits certainly you know there's a wide spectrum of that but I think yeah. that I mean I have to imagine when you got to Hollywood you know the whether physically and you know just the idea of Hollywood when you got there that you must your eyes must have opened pretty quickly um in oh, terms God, of no. how years oh, really <laughs> <laughs> I always say it's been this last year, like, I, I don't really care politically if I'm a Republican or a Democrat, you know, throughout the years, like, I don't, right. I actually don't even like that there are political parties, like, I just think it makes for divisiveness, mm. um, but yeah. I would say that these last four years have broken my heart, like, my anger comes from yeah. a broken heart, and that, that heart was, you know, instilled in my youth, you know, so, um, mm -hmm. that's a long, that's a long answer to your question, but. I, it's a good one. Yeah. So I have to ask, based on that, you dealt with harsh realities in your very small world, in your family of sickness. And did did that have a similar effect on you? Or you kind of just, you know, dealt with it and, you know, did the best possible? That didn't break that sort of idea of the world is great and everything's good and only bad things happen mm -hmm. to bad people? You mean in my young life? Uh, I know in your any, adult uh, life when you have oh, no when you oh, yeah, before no. four years ago how oh, how is that different and can you tell when, about that journey? Yeah, so when I was um, 31, I had been um, dating uh, a wonderful man, an actor Richard Jordan, and he uh, was diagnosed with a brain tumor and died. Um, I don't even know how many months now. Sort of blocked it out, but let's say five or six months later. Pretty, pretty mm -hmm. uh, typical course for a geoblastoma multiforme. At that time, there was uh, no internet. I remember going to the Beverly Hills Public Library and looking it up and reading that it was terminal. And I would say mm -hmm. um, that broke me in a different way, not in an idealistic way, but certainly that broke me in a, in a way of like anyone who's lost somebody like you know. Um, yeah. It's, it's a whole, it's a, you just like my friends all then went off and fell in love and got married and lived their, you know, their thirties. And I was 31 and I, I think it took me a decade to recover. Like I just, I really, I could not find my way after that. So, so in a way that, yeah, that was very hard to recover from and, and not, 
not the same broken heart as the, you know, motivation and people's characteristic kind of broken heart, but just like, oh my God, right. one minute you love someone, the next minute they're gone. And as anyone yeah. who knows who's been through someone dying, like, you know, it's, you're forever changed. Forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, do you put into, I think it does a number of things. So it, you know, I, I grew up not as idealistic as you did in that world. I grew up, but I still grew up in a, in a very, you know, bubbly way um, mm-hmm. where everything was always safe and okay. And mm-hmm. when my mom was diagnosed with cancer, I remember her first reaction was, this isn't the way it's supposed to be, you know, like you, you kids are not supposed to deal with this. She didn't even really talk about herself. And so when I look back now and having the perspective of age and being not that far away from the age she was when she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer, I think of it as at that time when I was 16 and I was like, but bad things only happen to bad people. Like in movies, the bad guy dies, uh, and, you know? Right, and, right. Mm-hmm. and And I'd never, you know, and she was such a good person to be thrown into, you know, the shit that cancer is and then have to, you know, deal with it. And then, the, you know, this sort of this, this moment of like, wait, things, bad things can happen. And it's very real and raw. And your whole world changes in so many ways. Obviously, the you know the if there's a silver lining, you realize what's important and what is not, mm-hmm. and what's mm-hmm. important is your health. And if mm-hmm. you don't have your health, you really don't have anything. Um, no. So I think it's it's definitely a different it's different than you know the the craziness of what's happened in the last few years. But it but I do think it does a, a it's just like this like you know, you're going down the throat and it takes a hard fright. Um, and it takes a long time to veer back to the straight, but you're not mm-hmm. the same person ever again. Ever, right. Um, exactly. Ever. And then you had, I mean, not to make this horrible for you, but you've certainly then dealt with, again, your series of medical hardships, which I have to assume at a later stage in your life has been, you know, a whole different experience. Well, I used to always say to Tom, my husband, you know, um, how lucky we are. I would just say, come on, we're so lucky. And he didn't quite have that same, uh, you know, wonder that I did. Like, oh, my God. Like, I think because he felt like he would get married and he would have children. And, you know, he never doubted it. Or, you know, whereas I knew that life could change on a dime. And um, I also didn't think I was going to get married so late. And, you know, everything was such a gift to me. And, um, and then when he was diagnosed with throat cancer, he looked at me and he said, oh, now I know what you mean. But until you actually have that experience, you don't know that life can change on a dime and literally never be the same. So, I mean, interestingly enough, when that happened, I, I had been such um, an uber caretaker for Richard that, you know, it never occurred to me that all these years later, I was going to have something happen and go, oh my God, I actually have, I know how to do this. Like, you know me, I can't like, I'm terrible with returning yeah. phone calls or like, I just can't, I can't find an email, you know, like I, I just, I'm, this is not my strength. But if something like that, if a crisis is happening, I am like your girl, you know, I researched everything. I made a million doctor's appointments, I flew around the country, you know, 
I'm, I'm, I, I was like, oh, and you know, I, this I know how to do. I mean, it's different, but I did. And, and so it was near kind of tragic, but um, an odd thing to have that echo. And there wasn't a moment where I was like, this is never going to take it down. I just could never go to the place where I could imagine losing him. So it was different. Right. Where I was with Rich, Richard, it was, you know, it, it was a terminal <sighs> diagnosis him so yeah um but th- that in itself is such a gift for your girls because i think not a lot of amazingly women are caretakers right we take care of everybody mm-hmm. else but mm-hmm. seeing it in action and seeing okay this is a crisis and i'm not going to hide in the corner and I'm not going to sit back and like just see what happens and, you know, we'll figure it out. It's like, no, I'm in, con- I am going to be in as much control as possible, knowing that you can't a hundred percent be in control of the situation, but that you are going to do what's necessary to get through this and take charge. And I think right. it's actually a really incredible quality and one for your girls to have whether they understood it or not, I do think it sort of came into them by osmosis that they could see, wait, my mom is, she is capable to the max (laughs) Um, and and hardcore, you know, and can get it done. And I think it's, it's not, it's a big deal. I, I, it really is. I don't, it's, you know, it's one of those, again, those like minor silver linings when you go through something so horrible that, you know, you find the best of you and those around you see it. Um, it's, it's, it's important. Yeah. I mean, they were fortunately actually very young. So I, I don't know how much of that registered to them. Um, but like you said, maybe through osmosis and, you know, uh, regardless, uh, I'm just, I'm so happy that, you know, he got great treatment and that he's here and, um, they have a magnificent father. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think it, I think it resonates because I think it also, they, it doesn't leave you. So, you know, right. like that, when you tapped into that for yourself, it didn't leave you right when it was quote unquote over, it became right. a layer, you know, in you that then I think translates to even more how you see the world and even more how you raise your daughters and even more how you mm-hmm. put one foot in front of the other. And then it certainly came into play um, when you were sick and then not only did you you know put on that I would assume put on some of that hat again but then you have become this incredible activist and I mean that's like one of my favorite words because I think it's (laughs) often used right now Um, you know I think it's thrown around but to me it's so important and it's so to be able to take your own experience that was, you know, brutal and use it with a platform to make great change is, I mean, to me, that's just a gift to the world. And you've, you've done that. I mean, you've just done it in the most sincere, outspoken way. Um, Was that something you, like, was that natural? Has this, this, that part of your life been like very conscious or was it just like, no, this is me, this is what I'm doing? Um, first of all, you make me, making me cry, Amy, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, no, it's honestly, I, I really, it wasn't a plan. In fact, if anything, I said, you know, I don't, uh, I don't really want, um, 
this to be my, you know, my life, like talking about anal cancer. But what happened was um, when I got to the other side of it, I thought it was important that I talk about it because I had read um, on the internet so many stories of so many women and men who were hiding diagnosis, who were ashamed, who um, were lying about it. And I was just, this is where that kind of England pragmatism, I was like, that's just ridiculous. It's a cancer. It took a residence in your anus and you didn't do anything wrong. And, you right. know, and I, I just was like, I can't bear for people to suffer for no reason or much more seriously die. And that was okay. the, that's the other thing that happens. They don't want to go to the doctor because, you know, say I have, you know, a, you know, a, something discomfort or I'm bleeding or whatever, whatever they don't want to talk about. They're ashamed. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't stand that thought. So I thought I'll do this um, article for People Magazine in this little video. And I thought that would be enough. And then I realized after it was done that it didn't really kind of tackle the medical part. So um, mm -hmm. I, I had a friend of a friend um, who uh, knew John LaPook with CBS, and I thought, well, he's a gastroenterologist, and he's the perfect person. So then I sat down to do this interview with him to really talk about um, HPV and anal cancer and throat cancer, because mm -hmm. I, I did have, feel like I had a responsibility to, to educate, because nobody was talking about it, which I just really couldn't understand. Um, yeah. So I did that, you know really just because I, 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 I felt like I had to. That's, that's that young part of me. Like, well, well you have to yeah. help. But like, well, how could you not? And then after that, there was um, a little uh, couple days on the internet where I guess there was, you know, real kind of nastiness and um, texts about, you know, HPV and associating my husband's stroke cancer with my anal cancer. You can go where you want with that. Oh. And I got really oh. upset and I remember thinking, ah, the hell with everybody, you know, let them all get cancer. What do I care? You know, and I got really like pissed <laughs> off. And I remember calling my doctor and I was like, I was so angry. And he said, well, why do you think, you know, Michael Douglas is talking about it or other people are not talking about it because, you know, it's not pleasant. And I tell you, that lasted like, I swear, 48 hours. And then I was like, get over it. You know, put on your big girl underwear and get on with it. Like, yeah, I not do this because people are making like Twitter little comments. Like, come on, you know, my God, that, that just seems so silly to me. But I, I did at first, I was a little hurt by it. Like, I'm trying to help you people, you know. In fact, there was this one yeah. incredible journalist from CNN who wrote, at first she wrote me and she said, are you getting paid for this? Uh, what, what I was gonna, who was who going to pay me? And I said, not a dime. Yeah, he was paying and me. <laughs> and then she wrote an article and said, like, to the effect of, Marsha Cross is, you know, kind of trying to give everybody a gift or, like, you know, like something where she understood, uh -huh. you know, that. And it was such a beautiful, I can remember her name right now, it was such a beautiful thing to have somebody out there to get, like, the, there was nothing in it for me, you know? Right. And, um, yeah. So, it's so funny. Um, you are a selfless then, human. They do exist. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. What, do you, what am I going to get out of it? You know. <laughs> so, um, right. That was beautiful. And then, really, um, you know, I, I've like I said, I can. I don't want to make this my life. You know, it's ridiculous. I, I want to do other things, but there's not a lot of people who um, want to talk about it. And so, I kind of just by default. I mean, if it were breast cancer or even ovarian cancer, there's a lot of people out there who are, you know, have the mantle and yeah. are really doing great work. So um, 
but unfortunately in this category, you know, that's just not the case. And I have a dear friend that I made who we didn't know each other at the time, but she went through it when I did. And she's now started this something called the HPV Alliance. And we, she has an incredible, say we, but it's really her. She's doing all those nuts and bolts and has an incredible board of doctors and um, just amazing people to really help change uh, the whole thing from the ground up. In other words, yeah. like, well, whose department is the anus? You know, why mm -hmm. do people be educated about HPV? Like all of the things that need to be done from the medical side, you know, as well as the mm -hmm. education from the public side. So um, mm -hmm. there's just there's just a lot of work that needs to be done on it because it really is um, a virus that is ubiquitous in our society. And now maybe, you know, after this pandemic subsides, people will start to understand that a virus is a virus. It's not because you're a pervert sexually or uh, not that I would mm -hmm. label anybody that, but you know what I'm saying. There's no, shouldn't be any stigma uh, on it. So th that's been the problem, I think. So hopefully people will start to understand. And you can get it from kissing. You can, it, it's, it's just most people get it and, and it goes away. And other people, um, it stays in the body and, you know, and rears its head when yeah. your immune system, you know, is weakened or whatever. And we have to educate ourselves about it. And that way we can save a lot of lives because you shouldn't yeah. have to die from any of these cancers. No, and I think it's what you touched, one of the, one of the things you touched on that was um, that I, I, I feel very passionately about, everything you said, but one in particular is the educational piece has, is so multifaceted. So the educational mm -hmm. piece is not just, you know, talking about it to friends and family and, you know, people, let's put quotes around that, but it's also yeah. the medical community. And, you know, it sort of sometimes takes me aback when I'm like, wait, I'm the one who has to talk about this to the medical community? I didn't go to med school. Yeah. Like, I didn't do these. I wasn't, you know, didn't have an extra six to eight years of school. Like, I shouldn't have to say this. But you right. do. And educating the medical community, not just about what it is, but how to talk to patients when to talk to patients, how to explain it and talk about it in a way that resonates with, you know, HPV. So you have to talk to parents, you have to talk to young teens. It's, you know, and in some places, in some communities in the United States, certainly around the world, it is taboo. And so mm -hmm. when you start talking about those kind of, you know, quote unquote topics, it's like, no, 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 you know, we don't talk about that. You know, that, that means there's sex involved. And I'm not talking about that because my whatever is too young or that's not happening. And that is, you know, that's really a hard barrier to break through. But if you can address it on the medical side and it comes from a place of data and science and proven, you know, ability to, you know, have, have an ability to attack the, to attack the virus, um, obviously mm -hmm. it's also relevant now, but yeah. it's, it's different. Um, and that is often a lot of advocates and activists in the medical community, um, but who are lay people like, you know, like us, they, mm -hmm. we forget about that. Um, you know, I, I always say this when I, you know, I've been in so many rooms with so many women who are highly educated, Marsha, these are college graduates, 
a lot who have gone on to, you know, more schooling after college, PhDs, mm -hmm. they're high-level executives who look at me when I say that a pap smear doesn't detect ovarian cancer and their mouth drops open. What? Oh, my really? God. My doctor always said it did. And I'm like, what oh doctor do you go to? You know, or, or I never oh. thought to ask. Or, and, it's, and it's, you know, you, you can sort of expect that in some you know, in some, in some, you know, small um, groups that I've, I've talked to, but it's amazing when you hear that from women who are, you know, the top of their rung in their corporate community and they're highly educated. It's like shocking, but then it does remind well, you, well, why would they know that if no doctor had ever told them? So, exactly. you know, or had led them to believe otherwise. And that's why, taking your own experience like you have and saying, wait a second, if no one's talking about this, I'm going to, and I'm going to be, you know, unafraid of the haters and I'm going to, you know, tell them to just, you know, fuck off basically, but I'm going <laughs> to use my platform to, mm -hmm. to do some real good in this, you know, in the education, in the education side on multiple platforms. There's nothing mm -hmm. better than you could do with your time and, you know, and to go back to what I was saying earlier that I know you, you know, I've known you as a mom, that is the best, most amazing thing you can give to your kids, right? Is to say, you never have to be ashamed of what you've gone through. You just need mm. to do it to take that experience and make it the most positive thing ever. Um, and mm -hmm. don't hide from it because other people can benefit from what you've learned and you've been through and, you know, how it's changed your life in so many ways. And, you know, you've done it just incredibly. I mean, as your friend, I'm so proud. And, and I, I, I just think it's, it's incredible. It is. And as you said, you know, to you, it might be like, of course, but it's, it's not an of course. And people don't do that. Um, so the world needs you because you were unafraid and, and, you know, and just were like, screw it. I'm talking about this because it's real and it's not I have to laugh because um, I have so much shame about other things like, you know, dropping the balls or like, but this one, like, no, we all need to be educated. Like, this is a no brainer to yeah. me, you know, like, you know, what you said, I yeah. just want to go back to something so that I think is amazing is, you know, I was one of those women in terms of, I never knew that the reason I was getting an, a pap smear, like I never asked, well, what's the pap smear for? They would just say, we'll let you know right. if, if it's abnormal. Well, no one ever said. Right. So I never heard of HPV, but a pap smear mm -hmm. is to test to see if you basically, if you have HPV cells that have multiplied in your cervix, right? So it becomes active. Yes. I, I've never heard yes. of it. 50 whatever yes. years old. And even when my husband, you know, tested positive, I didn't make the connection because I never had, I'd never had a positive pap smear, which is kind of crazy. Right. Um, but so I said to these doctors at a, this, this reminds me of what you said too, is because I went to a conference um, and I spoke about my experience and I said, I didn't know what this was. I'm a pretty intelligent woman, but what we need to do is yeah. the first time doctors need to say, I'm giving you a pap test and this is what it's for. This is right. what I'm checking for. This is, you know, we, we don't, we don't ask, right? We, I mean, well, I it's interesting. Know, a lump in our breast, that's breast cancer, but I didn't no. know. What like, what's abnormal? I don't know. Exactly. Does that make sense? Women, I didn't women, know. It, uh, it makes 100% sense. And one of the reasons I'll tell you why is that 
first of all, men ask questions to their doctor. Mm-hmm. Women don't. Mm-hmm. And so if you're alone with your doctor, particularly your gynecologist, it's sort of a, I want to get out of here as fast as possible. Exactly. And I, get and, that thing and women, out of my vagina. Do your chest. Exactly. Tell me if you have to, but yep. I don't sit and talk about it. <laughs> no. And the interesting thing, Marcia, is when I do these small, what I call like educational symposiums and Obviously, mm-hmm. right now they're virtual, but, you know, normally in person, which is preferable. Um, you know, I have a doctor, someone who tells – I try to have someone who tells their experience of it's about, you know, let's say October, so if it's about breast cancer, it's a breast cancer survivor, and then a breast oncologist. And if there's 10 women in the room listening, you, mm-hmm. they could go on for hours the number of questions women mm-hmm. will ask the doctor. Wow. There's something wow. about not being alone in an exam room about having other people sitting with you, and it's not your doctor. So it's almost like and, a stranger, but who's an expert. It is. And also, it is we're all taught so to not take up too much space, right? You know, you just. It's, right. We're yes. not, we're so female to just, you know. Yeah, yeah and I, this doctor is busy, and there's the next patient, yes. so I need to just get yeah, out I of here. I totally think that, right? Yes. Clean up yes. the house. And, and so. Go, hurry yeah. up. Exactly, exactly. Even with the best doctors and the best care. And it's, you know, and then you think about what's on the other end of the spectrum. Oh, my God, you know, these young women don't get any education or information and are probably even more afraid to ask questions. But the very first time a woman gets a pap smear, you know, around-ish after puberty, it should Mm -hmm. be the doctor. There's the educational side who says, exactly, this is a pap smear and this is why you will be getting it. It's uncomfortable, but it's important. And this is the reason why it's important. And I will call you if it's abnormal. And what does that mean? What does abnormal mean? It doesn't mean there's something wrong with your vagina. It means I am testing (laughs) the cells that are coming and and I'm going to let you know. And that conversation never happens. Never happens. Never happens. Nope. Never. No. (laughs) And it leads to, as the patient, the idea, I don't want to ask because they're not telling me. Mm -hmm. And they're the smart one. So I'm just going to go with it. And on the doctor, it's the, I don't have to tell because I'm just doing it because I know what it means. So it doesn't matter. Right. And that is a barrier, you know, that really has to be broken down. And it's done by advocates and education. There's, there's no other way because um, they're not going to start teaching it in medical school for some reason, or maybe they will one day. But the only way they will is if people like you stand up and say, wait, we have to change this just not it's not that hard to do i'm not we're not asking for a lot but right and change it happens to say, people's lives right and like you it did blow my mind that i was going in there and this should just think of the first place i ever spoke you know privately with a bunch of doctors in the room that i was shocked that these things that to us like the lay people are so obvious but are invisible to the doctors <laughs> Like, it's not, yeah. they don't need to be, like, invisible, but they, you say, well, whose department, whose department is the anus? And they look at you like, what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, is there a guideline? Are gynecologists supposed to, like, and they're, they're all kind of dumbfounded. And what was brilliant, actually, was the doctors all kind of whispered in my ear, thank you so much for doing this. And also, there are things that they can't bring up because of kind of, you know, every profession has its politics, right? So, you're kind yeah. of outside of that, and and I have no political, you know, agenda except to save lives. So it it really yeah. it helps. But but like you, I was stunned that 
that I had anything to offer, actually that I had so much to offer and that it was important. I thought, oh my gosh, this is like, wait, you're the doctors. You're the, you're the, you know. You're the experts. You're the smart Exactly. So you are, yeah, and not that I'm the not. Spin. You're not supposed to be the smarter. Yeah, you're supposed right. to be the ones doing this, not me. But I think, right. you know, it goes to show that, you know, being strong and believing in and, and standing up for what you believe in and say and knowing that you have something to say that's important and then saying it and then continuing to say it um, mm-hmm. is a gift. And, and, and not that many people have it. And it's, it is a gift. And the fact that you've used your voice in this way is just you have saved lives. I mean, Marsha, you have saved lives. You will continue to save lives. Oh. And and that, I, I mean, so. that's amazing. It, it It is amazing. And it's it's a gift to the world. And I am um, not going to take up any more of your time because I know your kids like mine are probably about to get out for lunch and <laughs> feed them. But um, it's the joy of I do want to say, home right I now. say one, yes, I say one thing, Amy, please. before you wrap it up? Um, yes. Just because yes. I, I do want to say that um, that anal cancer is on the rise in postmenopausal women, which is maybe, I don't know who your audience is, maybe they're just a little before that, but I just want them not to yeah. take their eye off the ball because what happens is they tell women, oh, you don't need to go to the doctor anymore, the gyno anymore, or mm-hmm. whatever. So I, I just I just want to put that little two cents in there to be aware of that. That's all, because uh, it's really important. I think that's, it is really important. And I will say I've had, I've had a lot of conversations with postmenopausal women and mm-hmm. with a gynecologic oncologist in the room to talk mm-hmm. and they by far the answer is I stopped seeing my doctor I certainly stopped seeing my gynecologist a long time ago because why would okay. I and it's that I'm going to tell you why answer is, no 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 money <laughs> yeah yeah it's money it's money right? and it's time it is and it's mm-hmm. women thinking I'm done with that stage of my life because they mm-hmm. equate that that doctor's visit to sort of fertility and post-fertility. Mm. And it's not mm-hmm. a doctor that women continue to see throughout their entire lives. And that's, that's, right. a, that's not good. Um, so I think right. that is a wonderful, wonderful piece of information um, and encouraging women to see their doctor. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's the knowing you're normal. It's, it's sort of the, what I say, and it applies to, just women in general. It's know you're normal and know when you're mm-hmm. outside your normal and something doesn't mm-hmm. feel right, isn't right, and do something about it. You know, you don't have to live and don't your take life. no for an answer. Oh, oh God. Don't, don't take, take no, no for an answer. answer. Sorry. Right. Because my friend, the, the the doctor didn't catch it and she said, you know, I'm not, that's just, it's not right. She went to another doctor and sure enough, she had anal cancer. So yes. she, she's fine just like I am, but it was because she didn't take no, she went, no, this isn't normal. So my last hard words, you know, keep at yes. it until you get it resolved. <laughs> Sorry. Exactly. Until you, no, it. what do you mean? That's the best. And that is, just, oh, I, we, I could talk to you for hours. Don't be silly. But oh, I think that will. it's, um, that is, that is the heart of it, right? It's saying, you know, yes. we're just going to talk about women for a second. It's, you know, be your own best advocate and take yes. care of yourself. You got to put that. You got to put that um, mask on first in order to take yeah. care of everybody else, really. Yeah. And you know, and when you feel like you're getting bad information or you're being blown off, don't yes. accept it. Yes, yes. <clears throat> because if 
it do not you have you just don't and don't be told you're being you know hysterical or crazy no you are no. you are in charge of your own health and wellness at the end of the day um and you are an example to all of us marcia and i adore you and thank you for oh, giving me the time too. today. Oh, you're and fantastic. I, I get to see I love you. you. <laughs> I love you too. Maybe we can go, go for, for a walk. walk. Are we allowed yeah. to walk? Okay. I All think right. so. Yeah. Um, okay. Be well, Bye, sweetie. And I'll talk to you I'm soon. in awe of you. Okay. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Bye.